Welcome into the Wednesday Bible study from the Broadcast Plaza and Teleport. Uh, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, if you are new to the Bible study, uh, we do this every Wednesday at, uh, at noon central, one o'clock Eastern. Uh, very few Wednesdays will we not be here. Uh, and uh, you can go back uh, to BurgessMinistries.com if you're joining us for the first time and you're, you're saying, well, man, I'd like to go back and look at some of the other things you guys have taught. We're currently going through the Gospel of John. Uh, you can certainly do that. Uh, if it's within the last year, it'll probably be here on this YouTube channel. Uh, if you go to playlist and you'll see the men's Bible study, you can click there. Uh, also our podcast channel, uh, they've archived pretty good for the last year. If you want to find something, you know, beyond that, uh, then you would want to go to BurgessMinistries.com and click on listen. Uh, so uh, we're, we're, we're going through part five of the Gospel of John. So if you want to catch up, uh, you can go back and see part one, two, three, and four. Uh, a couple of things that we want to talk about today so that you'll know if you're going to be in and around the Birmingham area, I am honored uh, to uh, be with Hunter Street Baptist Church tomorrow night, be addressing their men. They're getting ready to uh, restart their men's ministry and implement a new uh, new strategy that we'll be part of, uh, the Man Church strategy. So I'll be kicking that off tomorrow night, and anybody who wants to come uh, is welcome to come. You can find those details at rickandbubba.com under upcoming events. Next Wednesday, I'll be in Tuscaloosa, Fields of Faith. Now, the FCA is putting that on, but you do not have to be an athlete or involved in FCA to be there. Anybody who wants to come, Rich Wingo, who had hip surgery yesterday, uh, is recovering today. I've told him, please don't make me have to baby you next Wednesday. Uh, so I expect him to have be fully recovered before then. Uh, so he'll be there with me. We'll be speaking. And he told me to say that they'll provide dinner for you until they run out. So anybody's welcome to be uh, at Fields of Faith. That'll be at Hillcrest High School there at the stadium coming up on Wednesday. Then October the 20th, uh, headed over to Woodstock, Georgia, Woodstock Baptist Church. Uh, Man Church will be starting there too. Uh, and uh, well, they've been doing Man Church, but it'll be their latest Man Church. And I'll be honored to be speaking there. You can find any of this by going to rickandbubba.com and, and looking uh, under upcoming events for other markets around the country. You can also find all the speaking dates for 2020. If, if we've got it, you know, all the details done and the contract signed, they'll already be there at rickandbubba.com for all of 2020. So that's kind of be your source for speaking engagements. Things involving ministry, go to BurgessMinistries.com uh, if you don't already know how to do that. Uh, we've got a couple of things I want to pray about today. I mentioned Rich Wingo had uh, uh, hip surgery uh, yesterday. He's recovering. Scott Garoski, uh, who's a member of, of uh, has been a member of our church and is a dear friend of mine, had a massive spinal surgery in New York. Uh, six hours worth of surgery, two hours worth of putting everything back where it was and closing him up. And he is recovering and has eaten food today, which is very Garoski-like. So let's uh, pray that he makes a full recovery and hopefully this will relieve some of the excruciating pain that he's been struggling with. And also, I ask for you guys to pray for me today after we finish up. I'll be traveling uh, back to uh, where I'm from, uh, and I'll be talking with uh, my brother and sister-in-law, her, her father, my brother's father-in-law, uh, happy to report that I was fortunate enough to be with him when he gave his life to Christ uh, five years ago uh, during a very difficult situation involving his daughter who was who was dying. And uh, sadly, he's been told by doctors that, uh, that he has gone home to die, uh, and he has asked that I come by and see him today for us to have one more conversation uh, before the, he is going to 
to be standing in the presence of the Lord and Savior that redeemed him. Uh, so that is getting close for him. Uh, he's been through a lot of uh, tough stuff. He's 82 years old. And uh, when his cancer um, kind of returned, they told him that in his health and his age, uh, that it uh, there, there really was nothing they could do for him. So we certainly pray if, if the Lord wants to keep him here as long as uh, that's completely up to the Lord. But uh, there's a very important conversation. Thankfully, it's not about his salvation because I was there when that took place. And he has shown the fruit of that over the last five years. And he loves Jesus. But, you know, it's one thing to have that happen 30 years ago, five years ago. You want to sit down and have a little recap before you step into eternity. So pray for that conversation today. And I'm honored to be able to spend that time with him before he gets to go to his real life. And that's his eternal life. So let's pray over these things. And I know there's many things in the room here, too. I'll, I'll pray a prayer over you. I'll pray that God reveals himself to us today through the Apostle John. Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you for the men that have made this a priority today. We do take Tommy Davis and we lay him at your feet and we celebrate his redemption. Lord, uh, we, we've seen in his life the presence of, of a new life. Uh, but Lord, as we get down to the end of this earthly life, we, you know, there's anxiety that comes with that uh, because we're not afraid to die. But the process of dying sometimes can, can, can be difficult and obviously it can bring anxiety. And I pray today, Lord, you just put, put a special calm over him. And, and Lord, I pray that you'll give me the words to say to him today as his, his brother in Christ. Lord, we also pray for Scott Garoski. I know this is a difficult recovery that has begun today. I pray that you'll see him through that. I pray that the surgeons were able to take away and relieve some of the pain that he's been in. We pray for our brother Rich Wingo uh, that he'll make a full recovery with the, with the hip surgery as well. And Lord, there's so many situations that we could stand here and pray literally for hours that are going on within the room uh, that we're connected to. And I know people watching this and listening to this, uh, I pray that you be near them and whatever situation they're in, that they find that when they're on the other side of it, they find themselves closer to you. And I pray, Lord, today as we unpack the gospel of John and we talk about being born again and, and complete regeneration of the person we once were by the power provided by you, Lord, through Jesus Christ, I pray that you'll never let us forget what we're going to study today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So if you have your Bible or something with your Bible on it, we start in, uh, in the book of John, and we are now in chapter 3. Now, this is when Jesus is going to encounter Nicodemus. Uh, so let, let's, let, this is one thing I want to tell you before we jump into this, because I think it's important. Jesus Christ, His earthly ministry, God is a man, 100% God, 100% man. He had a three-year ministry. Now, y'all realize that's a pretty tight window. Lot, uh, there's a lot to do in three years. And, and, and I mean, Jesus, it, it doesn't take long before there's a lot of people pulling at him. But, you know, uh, now he's begin, picking up a celebrity status. He's certainly meeting opposition already. So what I want you to understand today that speaks to every one of the, us in this room is that Jesus Christ, even though he's the Lord of Lords, he's the King of Kings, and he certainly had every right to say, I don't have a lot of time, so give me big crowds, big crowds only. I don't have time to get involved in everybody's individual stuff. I, I got a lot to do. I got to get the word out there. I'm going to turn this over uh, to the church, and then I'm going to go prepare a place for you, then I'm going to come back. But you know what we find out today? That Jesus Christ would meet with you individually. So, so, so understand that Jesus Christ would come into this room, and he certainly would speak to us, but you know what he wouldn't be afraid to do either, to say, hey, you, you got something you want to talk to me about before we leave? And you know what he would do? He'd go back there and talk to you. I mean, that's amazing 
that God would come to us in such an intimate, individual way, not just in masses. Now, he certainly did both. Uh, so, so the three-year ministry that he had, he's showing us that he takes time to privately minister to individuals. And you know what? We better follow that example. You know, you know why he's doing this? Certainly because he loves Nicodemus, but you know why? To show us how to do it. You know, remember, everything he's doing is he's saying, look, I'm going to start the church age. Remember what we talked about what Mary said back at the wedding? Hey, do whatever he says. Do whatever he says. Think about this, and I just heard uh, Steve Farrar teaching on this this week. When, when Peter is there for the, the transfiguration, and, and you see this moment when you see Jesus with Moses and Elijah, what did God the Father say in the middle of all this? This is my son. Do what he says. Hey, hey, do what he says. So, so if you really want to know what it means to, to be a follower of Jesus, it's, it's, it's what we don't, we don't do some of what Jesus says. We don't say, uh, I tell you what, Jesus, I, I've seen the things you've thrown out here. I say, I'll take this right here. I'm not real crazy about that. Don't like your standard on that. No, what we're supposed to do is say, we belong to you. We follow you. And you know what we say? We'll do whatever you say. So here's another example. He says, yes, you should talk to people in big numbers. Yes, you should get an opportunity to have a platform. But let me tell you what you should never neglect, meeting with people privately and talking to them one-on-one. Uh, I assure you, if the Lord of Lords can do it, it's not above you and me doing it. So, so now we're talking uh, his conversation with Nicodemus. Let's, talk, let's look at this and then we'll, we'll unpack this a little bit. Now there was a man of the Pharisees, this is verse 1, named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God uh, is with him. All right, so let's unpack that a minute. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. We've got that. He's a member of a sect which uh, carefully observed every letter of the law and all the traditions of the Jewish elders. And we know that he belonged to the Jewish council called the Sanhedrin. So this, this was a pretty big deal. But there's some interesting things that we see here. This conversation that's about to take place was effective. Now, now how do we know that? Well, we know, and, and we'll, you know, the thing about John and going through these, when you start talking about what's going to happen, most of it is in the Gospel of John. So really, we're going we're gonna to come back to a lot of these things as we get deeper. And you go, oh, I remember that time we were talking about John chapter 3, and, and now we're in John chapter 7. This is what Rick was talking about. But I think it's important because you'll see that this next conversation is effective. When we get to chapter 7, late in chapter 7, we're going to see this part uh, where, where, where Nicodemus actually defends Jesus. There, there's a situation uh, when when the, the the leaders, the people, the part of what he's you know the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, and they're trying to catch Jesus and condemn him. And Nicodemus is going to jump up in verse fifty one and says he's going to say this: Hey, does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he's actually doing? So do we just condemn people in our law without them even having a say to try to defend themselves? So why else would Nicodemus stand up and defend him if there wasn't something that had taken place between Jesus and Nicodemus? And then what do we find at the end after the crucifixion? We see Nicodemus, he comes up and he says, Hey, I'm here with Joseph of Arimathea. Arimathea. That's a tough word for me. They both go and ask for permission, what, for Jesus' body. 
So Nicodemus is there again for that. So it's important to make a note of that as, as, you, as you look at this conversation. As a matter of fact, we see when we get after the crucifixion that it was actually Nicodemus that brought um, all the myrrh and the alloys for his body, and the Bible tells us he brought a lot of it. Uh, so, so he was paying great respect for Jesus Christ even after the crucifixion. So here's, here's what he says first. He says, look, I, I'm really pursuing the truth here. Now, a, a lot of the commentary I read said, the reason why you know that this is, sincere, this is sincere on Nicodemus's part is because he is coming to him and he says, I acknowledge that you must be from God. I'm acknowledging that I've seen the signs, I've heard about the signs, and there's no way you could have done that unless you had come from God. So it, first of all, you, you see that Nicodemus does not have a posture at all that he's here to attack Jesus. He seems to be truly seeking Jesus, saying, now I need to figure out exactly what you're doing and who you are and why you're here. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to question you like, like, where do you, I just want to know exactly what you're doing. And, and we think that that is sincere by, by the things that we're seeing here in scripture. Then the next thing we know is that he went out to see him and it says he went to see him by night. So he went to see him by night. Why is he going to see him at night? Now, some commentary, which honestly looking at this and the rest of the conversation, I don't tend to go this way. I tend to go the other way, which, you know, that's worth about a nickel to you on, on my opinion of it. But, but I think, but I think scripture, remember we talked about, and I, we had a conversation about this the other day. I was taught by my pastor, you know, when you're looking at scripture, don't try to force things on scripture. Let things rise from scripture. Okay. We don't take an, uh, an opinion. This is sometimes when, which is some of the poorer attempts at men's ministry when we bring a football coach in and he's trying so hard to make this football story he's telling go to Scripture. Why don't you just let the football story rise out of Scripture? And if it doesn't, maybe we don't need to tie two together. You know what I mean? I'm trying to force this point on Scripture when it's really not there. But, but one of the theories is he was, he was afraid. So he wanted to meet with Jesus at night because he didn't want anybody to know he's meeting with him. I mean, that certainly has some merit. But I think the other theory has more merit and he really was meeting with him at night because he could then have his attention. It, it, it was a private meeting not to be afraid. It was a private meeting because I want, hey, think about it. If you come in here and you say, hey, I, I want to, hey, Rick, I need to talk to you, man. I wouldn't come in here between six and 10 <laughs> because you can't really get my attention. What you would say is what? Hey, when's the time I can meet with you that you're not being pulled in a million directions? And in this case, I want to meet with you. Can I meet with you tonight? When you're done with everything you got to do, uh, you know, the disciples quit. They're not asking you a bunch of questions. You're not, you're not having, you're not having to worry about what you're going to eat for dinner. Let's finish everything up, be done with the day, and I'll be done with all the stuff I got to do. And let's meet where we can have a conversation one on one. And I tend to think that's, that because of the way he's talking to him, there, there doesn't see, he's Nicodemus. He's part of the Sanhedrin. I mean, they're all trying to question him anyway. All he'd have to say if they got mad about it was, Hey, man, I'm trying to get to the bottom of this. I think he was truly seeking the truth. So he wanted to meet with Jesus so he could have his attention. So we know he's acknowledged the signs uh, of Jesus. He, he's acknowledging that he's sent by God. That's in two. And, and then let's talk about what Jesus says now in verse three. Because now, now, now everything's about to get, we're, it's about to get intense now. Jesus answered to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So Jesus starts out by saying, look, I'm going to go ahead and cut to the chase. There's nobody, you got to be born again. 
And, and only those that are born again are ever going to have the ability to see the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus is a little confused by this comment. And, and look, looking forward, he says, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So first of all, we see here's Nicodemus. He's a Pharisee. He's part of the Sanhedrin. He, which means what? I'm supposed to know a lot. I, I should know a lot about prophecy. I should know a lot about redemption. I should know a lot about baptism. A lot of this I should know, but you know what we, we see that, that the Bible tells us? He didn't get it. He, he's confused. He doesn't understand the statement that Jesus has made to him. And, and that's the thing that we I think we have to really take away from this too, is I go back to the... the the writer of Hebrews again, when the writer of Hebrews is frustrated when he comes in and he says, a lot of you should be teaching by now. And, and, and I keep having to come back to you and go over the basic oracles of God again. You know, your, your children, your infants of the faith, and I, and I have to keep giving you what, what only children can eat, and that's milk. What I really would like to see you do is to mature so I can move you on to solid food. And what it means, we've got to get to the point where there's nothing that Jesus Christ is ever going to reveal to you or reveal to me until we're ready for it. I mean, right, have you, have you, ever, have you ever done that before? And you, you've been try, wanting to move on with something. Maybe you've been in a coaching situation, a teaching situation, and you realize, I can't move on because y'all don't understand how to do this yet. I can't even get to the next thing. So we see that we need to be prepared to, to, to be sensitive to what Jesus is saying. But Jesus says after this question, Truly, truly, I say to you, two truly's there, by the way, unless one is born of water and the Spirit... He cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is the Spirit. And then he goes on to say, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. All right, so, so let's, let, let's, let's get to there. So we know that Nicodemus is confused. We know that Jesus now takes it and he explains it to him. And listen what the next thing he says. Don't, don't, don't marvel at this. Then look at eight. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So now, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now this explanation still, uh, I, I, look, I was not a good student. I know what it's like to be sitting in class and go, whoop, 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 whoop. I got no idea what this teacher's talking about. And, uh, you know, whoever wrote that in the Charlie Brown thing, they were spot on. That's the way teachers sounded to me all the time. Whoop, 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 whoop. And so uh, Nicodemus is like, you know, this is a, this, and then he just looks at him and he says, Nicodemus in nine, and, and Nicodemus said to him, how can this be? I, I, I don't follow. I don't follow this. So let's, let's unpack this a little bit. So to be born again, if you have your Bible or something with your Bible on, let's go to Genesis 2-7. Now keep in mind, this is something that Nicodemus is aware of. So we go to, to Genesis 2-7, and here's what we find about God creating mankind. Look at 7. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. 
Now, if you look at the Hebrew word that's used here for breath, nishma, what that means is the very breath of God. I, I got news for you. You can you, you can take us and and we can be formed out of the ground to be formed out of whatever. But nobody becomes a living creature until the Lord God Almighty takes his essence and he breathes himself into you because he is life. Amen. What did Jesus say about himself? I am the way, the truth and the life. I am life. I found this interesting. I don't know how many of you know David Barton. David Barton, who he, he goes out, he is a, he's a Christian, but he's really involved in, in the Judeo-Christian principles of our country and our founding fathers. And, and I thought he said something one time that was really, really profound. He said, if you're ever out there voting, if you're a person of faith, he goes, and you're wondering about how you need to vote, he said, remember this, anybody that can't get life right, they don't get anything else right either. If they, if they don't have where life begins right, You'll find that they'll, the things, the legislation that they produce, the things they vote for, the things they advance, they'll get everything else wrong too. Because if you can't get life right, you can't get anything right. And that's why this issue is before us again as a country, but that is another, another message and it will take longer. Uh, so anyway, so let's talk about that he's talking about the very breath of life. Now we know in Psalms 139, if you have that, let's go there. Psalms 139. Uh, 13 through 16, this has been a very important uh, verse, and we've talked about this in, in verses and chapter uh, for my wife and I dealing with the earthly death of our youngest son. This is one of the places where we went to find you know, great comfort and great hope. And we realized that on earth our son had lived a very short life, but according to God, it, it was the number of days that God knew when He wove him together in my wife's womb. So here it says again, For you formed my inward parts, this is in verse 13, You knitted me together in my mother's womb, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So again, here's the Bible talking about that God is the author of life. And God has, has breathed life. And so that's what Jesus is talking about when he's saying about us being born again. Because in Genesis 3, when God breathed his life into man and he became a living creature, but then when the man decided to reject God and go after sin and reject God, now what happens? What was perfect, life that was perfect, now becomes life that is imperfect. So now sin has entered the equation. And so now, instead of us being purely like God, we have become rebellious to God because God cannot be part of sin. So what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, this has got to take place again. Genesis 2-7 has got to take place again. You must be born again. You have to be regenerated. You know, if, if you look at our hopeless condition. If you have your Bible, you know that in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, let's look at that. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, this is exactly what Jesus is trying to get Nicodemus to understand that because of sin and what happened in Genesis chapter 3, and Jesus is here to redeem a terrible situation we now find ourselves in. Look at 2, 1 through 3. And you were dead... 
That's why this is important. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of, of the power of the air, the spirit that is, that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And then look at three. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy because of great love with which He loved us, even though we were dead in our trespasses, here it comes, makes us alive again in Christ. Born again. Your life starts over. You are dead. You do have to have a rebirth. We're dead in our sin. And that's what Jesus is trying to get Nicodemus to understand. Look, look at Mark 7. I want to be sure we made this point really good today. Look at Mark 7. We're talking about what happened after the fall in Mark 7, 21 through 23. You see the condition that we're in now too. All of this is making sense now if, if you understand what Jesus is trying to say. Now we had access to this that Nicodemus didn't have, but he still, this is what Jesus is about to explain to him. So here's what Mark 7, 21 through 23 says about the condition that we now find ourselves and, he, and this is Jesus talking about what comes out of a person. So he says this, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. From within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. So here's what the Bible is telling us, and this is what he is trying to tell Nicodemus. If I don't come and regenerate you, if I don't give you a new birth, you are doomed and you are dead in your trespasses. And if you don't believe that, just look how people act. And to, unless, unless we change your spirit, unless that spirit is gone from dead to alive, all you're going to produce are these things that Mark just listed and, and what, what, what Paul was telling the church at Ephesus. You were dead in your trespasses. And, and God, because of His great mercy, even though we were dead, God came and made us alive. And who do you make us alive in? Jesus. And what did Jesus do? I'm here to redeem you. I'm here to regenerate you. You know what he's saying? Back to uh, Genesis 2-7. Get ready for this. I'm here to bring, to breathe the breath of God Almighty, your creator. We're going back to Genesis 2-7 and it's a new day and we're going to breathe that life back into you again. Amen. And you're going to be a new creation. You're going to be alive again. It is truly is a rebirth. Yes. Well, let me ask you this. Is that what you look like? I mean, honestly, does it look like that your life started over? Or is it just kind of a better version of what it's always been? Maybe a little better. No, we're talking about a regeneration. I will tell you this, honestly, because I've done it both ways. I've been a cultural Christian, and my, I did not experience a rebirth. I, I, I tried to be not as... But most of my behavior was based on being afraid of my mom and dad as opposed to trying to, be, to love God. And guess what happened? When they weren't around, everything changed. So I, I had not been reborn. I had believed in Jesus, as James talks about, the demonic faith. But there was no evidence of a rebirth because I was just like everybody else to some degree or not. But there wasn't anything radical about it. 
But let me tell you something. When God grabbed a hold of me and I submitted to his authority and I experienced a new birth, I ain't never been the same. Now, that's not, that's not because of me. That's because he gave me the ability to be this new creation. I, I had no power to do that. You know, how many times have you ever tried without you just go, I got to do better? Well, that works out, doesn't it? Until things get hard. You know what I found? That I could do really well at things that weren't hard. You ever notice that? Just like now, you have people, what we're very vocal about sins we don't struggle with. Now, we get to those things that we struggle with and we don't have a whole lot to say, do we? You know, I, you see it all, all the time. I said, I talked about this the other day. You, you, let's take sexual sin. You look around, it's, it, parents are, will say, of course, it's getting that way. Even if it's homosexual sin, they don't care. But at one time, you'll see people that are very sanctimonious about, sanctimonious about homosexual sin and all these kids and all this going on. And then you look on their kids' social media, and I say, well, I guess heterosexual sin is fine. <laughs> Apparently, they don't care about you know fornication, which is any sex before marriage. They don't care about lewdness. You know, because I got news for you. If your kid is down here jumping in out of bed with, 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 with the opposite sex, that's no different than them being in bed with the same sex. That's sexual sin. That's sexual immorality. And you can't just care about some of it. We're supposed to care about all of it. Because I got news for you. that When you look at the list of those that will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, both are on the list. Drunks are on the list. Liars are on the list. So, so there has to be a, a whole regeneration. Now, 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 just stay with me. We're gonna get it's gonna get a little deep here for just a minute for people like me. Some of you are advanced beyond me, so it won't get you as much as it does me. So, let's go back to Ezekiel thirty-six, and we won't read all this. I, I want to kind of tell you what went on here. So, in Ezekiel thirty-six, twenty-five through twenty-seven. Now, this is pre-Jesus, but it's pointing to Jesus. And Ezekiel is saying that God will put His Spirit in you, and He's gonna cleanse you. There it is. So here's Ezekiel saying, let me tell you what's coming. There's going to be an ability that's coming, just like what happened at Genesis 2-7. And, and, and there's going to be an opportunity that's coming. He's talking about Jesus, where God is going to set it up where he can breathe his life into you again and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Somebody say amen to that. And then we get to chapter 37, 1 through 10. Make a note. Did I give you the other one? Thir uh, Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27 is the part about His Spirit and you and cleansing you. Now write down Ezekiel 37, 1 through 10. And we all know this story. This is the dry bones. This is the dry bones. So how were the dry bones made alive again? The breath of God. The breath of God. It says that by regeneration... Done by the Spirit of God, those bones became an army. Dry bones made alive. By the regeneration power of the Spirit, or the Hebrew word, the breath of God. See, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they've always been around. Okay? One God, three persons. These three persons have always been this one God. And they get different assignments as we go. And that's why Jesus is saying, the game changer's coming. The game changer's coming. Peter's afraid of little girls by the fire before Pentecost. After Pentecost, after he's watched his wife be crucified. If you look, if you look at the history of the martyrs, they crucified Peter's wife and made him watch it. And you know what his response was to that? Crucify me upside down. I'm not even worthy to be crucified by Jesus. Now, what happened to the guy by the fire? 
that, that to try to convince a little girl that he wasn't with Jesus, he was willing to start cussing like he used to before he was with Jesus, like the old fisherman. Oh, Peter, I'm going to prove to you I couldn't be with Jesus. Listen to my foul mouth. But now, now he's dug in. We see this start in Acts chapter 4. We really see it start at Pentecost. But a few chapters after Pentecost, we've, done, you know, we've talked about this, and I really feel God calling me. I, I'm going to try to put together with God's guidance. I think this is something that's got to be talked about, and we've talked about it in here for four years. We've got to stop selling this regeneration so low. There's a lot of people out there claiming they've been regenerated, and it don't like it have much impact on them. And you know what we've said in here for four years? That don't say much about Jesus, does it? See, the power of the Holy Spirit, when, it, when, 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 the, when the breath of God was given to the church, game changer. So if the breath of God hadn't changed you, it's not because of its inability to do so. Something's wrong with your relationship with Jesus Christ if it hadn't changed you. Because He has the ability for us to truly be born again. So, so when, when God breathed that breath into Adam, and then He breathed it upon those dry bones, anything, you ready for this? Here we go. When God breathes on anything, it now has life in it. Now has been given by the breath of God, and when I saw this in the commentaries, it blew me away. When God breathes on anything, He doesn't just give it a life. He gives every element of a good life, even in the present. He's given you the ability to overcome sin right now. Right now. Remember, any sin that is still prevalent in my life, not a stumble, will always stumble with this because perfection is only going to be achieved when we're standing in the presence of God. But you know what should be achieved? Progress. If I ever hear another man tell me I'm just a work in progress, and I've said to many of them, like it had to be said to me at one time, you must not know what progress means. I'm going to get in trouble with this. I use this analogy because it's a good one, and I don't mean any harm to anybody who's upset about this. We've seen the signs by the construction site, the construction site that's been going on now for eight years. And what does it say? Pardon our progress. Well, I, I don't see it. Uh, what, I mean, what, I don't, what am I pardoning? I mean, you're still here. If, if there was progress, you would be gone by now. So I think a lot of times we don't understand the word progress. Look, perfection is one thing. But let me tell you something. The power of Jesus Christ provides the progress, and we should be being sanctified, and we should be maturing from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity because Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they really are that powerful. So that's what he's talking about. So, so when he's using this analogy... And in John 3, 8, when he's talking to Nicodemus, he's speaking about the breath of God. Now, when he says born of water and of the Spirit, water, it, don't, don't overcomplicate water. I know there's been people, they, they'll come out and say, oh, this, this, this is what shows you baptism. Water baptism is a part of salvation. No. What, what Jesus is talking about is those that are born of water, that's a natural birth. The water breaks, you're born. That's your, that's your, that's your natural birth. Okay, and what and, and what he's saying then, because he, he if you don't believe that, look what he says next. He goes, look, that birth, flesh, gives birth to flesh. That first birth, the natural birth, the water breaks, a sinful woman gives birth to another sinful person. Flesh just gives birth to flesh. But 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 I want you to think about this. The spirit gives birth to the spirit. 
So he's trying to show Nicodemus, I'm not talking about a natural birth. I'm talking about a spiritual birth. And he's saying, so you were born one time by water and that was flesh giving birth to flesh. What I'm presenting and what I'm about to accomplish is the new birth, the regeneration will now be my Holy Spirit will now give birth to a new spirit. That's a new birth. That's a new beginning. And so then he talks about the kingdom of God. Now, I know I used to be confused by this, too. If you see that, he's talking about that if we don't have this new birth, then we can never see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, to, to, to simplify it, it is complicated, but to simplify it, that is God's reign over our life now and eternity. Once you become a new creation, you now enter the kingdom of God right now. And then, of course, it will be completed in perfection for eternity. God now reigns over your life and God, God's reign now exists in your life and it'll always exist there for the rest of eternity. And I like when he uses the word see. He says those that are born again will see the kingdom of God. Now the Greek word here, you know what that means? To attain sight. Don't miss that. That's bigger than just, you know, what he's saying is if you've never been born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. You've got no concept what it is. He said, part of this spiritual rebirth is now going to allow you, you will now and you attain insight about the kingdom of God. Do you remember when you were lost, did you have any idea what the kingdom of God was? Did you really have any idea of the basic concepts of, of really who God was and, and what was going on? I mean, you might know a Bible story here or there, but you didn't know much about Him. You know what this is beautiful about the rebirth? We've now been given a spiritual birth, and because of that spiritual insight... We are now able to know things about God that we couldn't know before. Remember, anybody ever remember what it was like to read the Bible before you were saved? <laughs> that was an uphill climb, wasn't it? And so, and so the, think about how, how much different, if you have experienced the, the, the rebirth, I hope everybody in here has. If you've experienced that rebirth, I promise you, even though you think you understand the Scriptures today, if you'll continue to pursue Jesus Christ, you'll continue to be sanctified and grow, you ain't seen nothing yet. Remember back to the very beginning when he's talking to Nathaniel? So you think it's a big deal that I knew you were over there under the fig tree? Oh, you ain't seen nothing yet. And, and, and I'm telling you, so as we, as we become sanctified, this insight is now allowed, allowed to us by God. Right? We, we, we are saved by grace through faith, but that faith is in action and we're moving forward. The other thing he says, he uses the word in a, in a moment, he says those that have been, have been uh, born again will then enter the kingdom of God. Now that's a different Greek word. It's not the same thing. The first one is, is will attain insight to the kingdom of God. This second word in Greek means the enjoyment of the kingdom of God. Can anybody say amen to that? I hope you have that supernatural peace. Is there anything better than to know that you're now part of the kingdom of God? You know, you know, you know, we say at my house a lot, in light of eternity, is this a big deal? Hey man, man, this is a rough day today. Yeah, it is, but we kind of know this ain't the deal, don't we? This is not it. I look forward to talking about that today with this man that's about to die his earthly death. Hey man, it's just beginning. As a matter of fact, you've got to put off a lot of a lot of garbage, man. You know where you're going, people don't get cancer anymore. Where you're going, people don't feel 82 anymore. You know that you know how great it felt to be redeemed. You're about to stand in the presence of Jesus. You ain't seen nothing yet. 
And that's that, but but see, you see how that in this room you could feel the rise of joy, couldn't you? That's what he's talking about. He said, now I've given you not only the insight to the kingdom of God, I'm giving you the ability to experience the enjoyment of the kingdom of God. God, who can say being born again is a big deal? So Christ allows us the insight and the enjoyment of the kingdom of God. Now a living hope. There's a living hope for us at the consummation that is to come and the revelation of the glorious and tangible kingdom of our God, King of Kings, and, and Lord of Lords. So not only are we getting a taste of insight of it now, we begin to anticipate the consummation of it all in its perfection and its glory to come. We belong to the kingdom of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We are co-heirs with Christ. That's big. Hey, I'm from Calhoun County and I'm a co-heir of the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. That's big. Only Jesus could do that. So if you really want to think about this moment, because Jesus is kind and, and Jesus, you know, he, he, can, he can be very merciful. He can be very gracious. What he's really saying in response to what Jesus said when, when Nicodemus said, how can this be? Look at Jesus' response. This is now getting in verse 10. Are you the teacher of Israel, yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we've seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, talking about himself, the Son of Man. And now he gives him something and let me tell you what this means, this next verse, to Nicodemus now. You missed it. You missed it. Because you know what happened with Moses. And as Moses, Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Write this down. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, the Pharisee, part of the Sanhedrin, a teacher, Numbers 21, 4 through 9. Now, if you're familiar with this, this, docu- this historical moment in the Bible, in Numbers 21, 4 through 9, the, the children of Israel had been wandering in the desert. They were rebellious. Therefore, God allowed them, because of their rebellion, to be bitten by snakes. So they were bitten by snakes. Many died. When the others who were dying from their snake bites started to get the message... And God loves us enough to discipline us. They finally begin to repent. And they, they, they acknowledge their sin. And God then directed Moses to make a bronze serpent and set it up on a, on a high pole so that it would be possible for all to see it. And those who looked up would live. And so what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, that's telling you about me. You know how the children of Israel, you know about this. You you know that the children of Israel were rebellious and in sin. And so what God did is he told Moses to make this bronze serpent and to put it high up on a pole. And those who repented and acknowledged their sins and looked to that would be forgiven and they would live. That's me. The son of man who has come from heaven will be crucified. And when I'm crucified, Nicodemus, 
Those who look up and see me paying the debt for their sin, even though they are dying due to the poisonous sin in their life, because of me, they're going to live. I'll be up where everybody can see me. And I will say it is finished. And I will take the poisonous sin that is killing you and I'll wipe it away. Nicodemus, you missed it. That's what I'm talking about. That's the rebirth that I'm talking about. Now, verse 15, for the first time, and we're going to hear it again when we go on further. You see 15, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Eternal life is being used for the first time here. Eternal life. And, and what John is, is, is documenting is Jesus is telling Nicodemus, he said, I am the author of the rebirth. I, I'm the one who says that if you want eternal life, I have provided it. A rebirth. If you have your Bible or something with your Bible on it, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we'll get ready to close here in a minute for today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the mission of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. The call to us is 20 who have had a rebirth. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. So this is exactly what Paul is talking about. And, and I want us to understand something because I know in my own process of sanctification, one of the things that we need to be sure that we do as we go for that regeneration and we cry out, yes, I want the rebirth. Part of the rebirth isn't just moving you know, toward Christ. It's also moving away from your old self. You can't, you can't have two births. One of those births has to end, and that's the old birth. Now you become part of the new birth. You, you can't exist in both places. You can't say, I continue to exist in the original flesh, gave birth to flesh. You know, I was born of water, and I want to hang on to that sinful nature. But, oh, well, I'll also go over here and do a rebirth. No, the rebirth cancels the old birth. It's a new birth. It's, it's, it's a new creation. And let me tell you something, you will never experience reconciliation and regeneration if you continue to keep one foot in that old self and then try to see if you can place a toe in the new self. It doesn't work. Sin and redemption just don't stay together. Doesn't mean you won't struggle with it, but it's impossible for you to feel comfortable with it again. You know, when do you know that you're sinning? Because in the new birth, that new spirit is alive and it then gives conviction when it sees the flesh try to raise its ugly head again. And then the second part of what Paul's making clear, if we have experienced this, this new birth, if we've been reconciled back to God, then he says now he has given 
us the message of reconciliation. Do you realize this, this, this moment? I hope this hits you. You know what Paul says? He's now making his plea to a dying world through us, Amen. ambassadors for Christ. And what I've noticed is that men and women, men seem to always be an ambassador for something. So what are you an ambassador for? Oh, I'll find something. In. I, all I got to do is spend time with you. And I'll learn pretty quick that you might be an ambassador for your kids. Certainly you think, well, what's wrong with that? Well, can I tell you, there's nothing wrong with you loving your kids, but if you love your kids, you'll be an ambassador for Christ. You can't be an amb a true ambassador for your kids if you're not first an ambassador for Christ, because that's what you need to give them. Amen. But, but yet what I see is a lot of times a lot of men, they want to give me the stats of their kids when I just met them at a travel ball tournament. I don't even know you. Why, why are you telling me and bragging on your kid to me? You know, there was a time that was considered bad form. You know, I know people have always struggled with, with worshiping their children. Now parents just blatantly worship them. You know, I, 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 I've talked about this before, the difference. Can you imagine, I think about my dad, any dad standing around and you coming up to a, the kid, a Little League game and your kid's on the team and that dad looks out there and says, that's my kid right there at shortstop. You know, run, he, he's the fastest kid on the team. You know, I mean, he's, he's probably going to play college ball one day and he's got this right here, batting average is 450. And, and you know, something they'll just let him pitch. I mean, he can throw the ball harder than anybody else on the team. And there's other teams that want him, you know, and he decided he'd play with this team. So y'all, you know, I'm just thinking to myself, well, we don't even know you. <laughs> See, that's an ambassador for the wrong thing. Cause I got news for that dad. When your son stands before Jesus Christ, how hard he can throw the baseball and how fast he can run ain't going to mean nothing. What's going what's to mean something is, did that son follow his dad and be an ambassador for Jesus? I, I really believe there's a lot of dads right now that would rather their kid be good at something even if that compromises Jesus. Look, why don't you simplify all this? You can end up being disappointed anyway. The world always disappoints. At some, at some moment, all this glorious moment of you living vicariously through your kid is going to be over. So why don't you give them Jesus? And you know what you can think? Seriously. If you can go to bed at night and say, my children have been given the gift of Jesus and they've received it and they've been redeemed and now the time that I spend with them is giving them advice and maybe talking over Scripture and praying over them and, we're, and I'm watching them grow spiritually. And you know what your kids would probably like to hear? Hey, man, just get that right, and Daddy's proud of you. This other stuff. I mean, it's, not the, it's, it's, it's okay, and, and, and if we put it in the right place, it's fine. But that's not your identity to me. Your identity to me is to be a follower of Jesus. I told, I told one of my sons just this week, we were talking about something, about trying to, trying to give some help about something financial. And I said, this is real simple. Real simple. Don't fail, uh, number one, be a devout follower of Jesus. And don't fail out of school. I said, if you want me to help you at school, then you be a devout follower of Jesus and you don't fail out of school. You do those two things and I'll take care of you. I said, now you st if I start hearing you acting like a fool down there and you start compromising Jesus, then I ain't going to send you anything. Because if you're going to be rebellious against Jesus, you'll have to finance that yourself. I, I, who are these parents that act like your kids holding you hostage? I, I had that happen. I've had people come to me and say, my kid's acting like an idiot at college. 
I just don't know what to do. You know, once they go to college, I mean, what can you do? I said, here's what you do. Cut them off. <laughs> Cut them off. Do they pay their own way? And if they do, then, then I guess you got a point. But if they don't pay their own way, kick them out of the apartment, shut down the tuition, cut off the meal ticket, and say, if you're going to rebel against Jesus, finance it yourself. You know, if you love them, you know, you're willing to do things like that, just like God loved me enough to crush me. They didn't do that because he was mean. He didn't do that because he was unreasonable. He did that because that was, the, that was what was going to take to get my attention. But I got news for you. If you keep allowing people to roll through life and blaspheme God and never pay a price for it, you, you, you're setting them up for a terrible, terrible situation. So, so ambassadors for Christ, but if we're going to be an ambassador for something, what, is, what else do we have to be able to do? Tell you it's a value. Uh, have, have you ever had somebody you can tell that they were, they've been deemed an ambassador for something they really weren't into? You ever, you ever had somebody do that for you before? Say, hey, we need you to kind of do this, whatever. And you're kind of like, eh. Why? Why? Because if you don't believe in it and you don't really think it was any value, it's really difficult to fake it. That's right. Right? So I think one of the problems we have a lot of times, we got people out there mouthing that they're an ambassador for Christ, but when they go out there, the, what, the message they send doesn't really draw anybody to it. Because they see what? People who have claimed to have been reborn, been given a new life, had God breathe life back into them again, and it doesn't appear that anything changed. I'm going to tell you the biggest message you can send. Think about what Nicodemus said to Jesus when he first walked up. Now, I know that nobody can do what you're doing, so you, I don't know what you are, but you're definitely from God. Well, did you know the version of that in our life is when people see us respond to things differently than the rest of the world? You know, most everybody would have done this, but you didn't. I know those testimonies. I know those testimonies of people saying, I know we didn't give you any attention and you didn't think we were watching, but we watched you. You didn't do what the rest of us did. We didn't want any part of that at the time, but we'd like to circle back around to that again. Now that we're getting a little older and we're starting to think about, hmm, what's going to happen to me when I die? When, when something happens, I promise you, ambassadors of Christ, when we go through adversity, 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, the, and when the testing of the genuineness of our faith happens, everybody's watching. Everybody's watching. And if, you're, if you have been given the message of reconciliation, God making His appeal through you and me, well, then God's appeal is always perfect. The only thing that would keep it from, from, from reaching the person who needs to hear it would be us. And us clouding that message and them, them looking at us and saying that we claim one thing, but we live another. So as we get ready to close and you think about you and me as ambassadors of this regeneration, I love when Jesus is simply telling Nicodemus, no one is going to see the kingdom of God. No one is going to enter the kingdom of God unless they have been completely born again. The breath of Jesus Christ is the breath of God. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And he says to, to Nicodemus, start showing him things around him about the wind and all this. He says, you can't really explain that, can you? Such is the breath of God. You can't see it, but you know it's there. So if somebody looks into your life and they look into my life, do they see 
that God Almighty, through the redemption found in Jesus Christ, has His breath, the Holy Spirit that comes through Jesus when we're reconciled to Him, has that new breath truly been breathed upon your life? Let's pray. Lord, thank You for this time together. Thank You for the message that You've given us, and thank You, Lord, for the fact that You offer us a brand new life. So many times I can just, I'm thinking about in my mind, Lord, this childlike example of neighborhood sports when it just wouldn't come together and somebody would scream, do over, let's just start over. Well, you've offered us the ultimate opportunity to begin again. As you have said that we have an opportunity to go back to this point in our life and say, I need to start over. Lord, I need you to breathe a new life in me. Will you please take my life and breathe life back into it? It's dead. If you're watching this on YouTube or you're, you're listening to, to one of our archives and you're thinking to yourself, my life doesn't feel like it's ever been made new. Well, look, as we've already said, that's not because of God's inability to do it. Why don't you just right now, as best you know how, to say, Lord, I submit to you completely. I'm ready to be regenerated. I'm ready to, to be made from, from dead in my trespasses to alive through redemption. Lord Jesus, will you reconcile me back to you? May I experience, please, Lord, that new life that I've just heard John talking about. I want to be born again. The Bible tells us if you're sincere in your heart, and you repent of your sins, and you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that He paid the price for sin on the cross, and then He walked out of the tomb on the third day to now offer eternal life to all who want to be redeemed, that if you're sincere, that He will redeem you, and you've just been born again. And then once that happens, what, now you're like a baby who's been born again, but what do you need now? You need to be taught how to live. We're all standing by ready to help you, as we'll now start the process of making you a disciple of Jesus Christ. If I can help you in any way, rick at rickandbubba.com, I'm certainly willing to be here for you. And there's men all over this room that will be there for you too. You're not alone. And God loves you enough to, to, to push out every other voice all around the world, millions and millions of people, and He'll push all that out, and He'll listen specifically to you. He loves you that much. So he's on record for how much he loves you. Now, the real question is, do you love him? And Jesus said, if you love me, then you obey my commands. Well, it's impossible for us to obey commands that we've never heard before. So let's start with a new birth by confessing your sins and crying out for Jesus to save you. I pray that's taking place somewhere right now. We lay these decisions down, Lord, at your feet. And we praise your holy name for the redemption that is all over this room, the testimony after testimony that what you say is true. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. Hey, this is Rick, and that concludes this week's Bible study. Thank you so much for being with us. If you'd like to go back and hear other Bible studies, or maybe some that you've missed even in this series, you can find them by clicking the media button at BurgessMinistries.com.